0: In the Gospel we hear today, Jesus starts out sounding less like the radical savior of the world and more like a really tedious HR manager. The appropriate way to deal with conflict is to address it directly with the person. If the person does not respond, only then may we enlist others in our support. And I don't know about you, but that's hard. That's not the way that I prefer to deal with being wronged. No, I prefer to cook up a good, roiling anger and stew in it by myself for a while. Sink down for a good long soak and figure out all the ways I'm right and the other person is wrong. And then if I want anyone else involved in my private marinating, I go to anyone else. Someone preferably who will agree with me, who can express appropriate outrage at the wrongdoer, And my deep preference is for this to be someone who will not question my reaction or ask me to think about any role I may or may not have played in the situation. The response Jesus is asking us for, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone, is much less satisfying. It requires clarity on the sin, maybe even some language about observable behavior in place of my hyperbolic internal monologue and it requires facing another person and perhaps more than anything else it requires caring about being in relationship with them because Jesus doesn't stop at pointing out the fault; the goal is not in fact to point out harm but to regain the person who has done us wrong If the member listens to you, you have regained them." Like I'm supposed to want them back. And to make matters worse, if they don't want to hear me, I am to go to great lengths to escalate their opportunities for repentance until they can hear and return. Up to and including enlisting my entire community in the conversation. Okay, Jesus. So I take you at your word, what does that even look like? So have you ever started out a conversation at a level 10 when you maybe should have started out at a five? I've done that. But maybe more relevant for today's reading, have you ever been accused of starting out at a level 10 when really you started out back at five And that person just didn't hear you until you got all the way up to here. That happens too. On November 24th, 2014, I found myself at 10. It was a freezing cold day in Chicago where I lived at the time, completely dark at 5 p.m. and I was standing in the middle of the freeway, pumping my fist and screaming at the top of my lungs. I was helping shut down Lakeshore Drive a main highway through the city. And it was not what I had set out to do with my Monday evening. If you had asked me only 30 minutes before, I would have said it was impossible to do, never mind that I would be participating in doing it. 30 minutes before, I had been huddled against the wall of the Cook County Jail with a few hundred other people, waiting for the grand jury decision on Darren Wilson's trial. People had flocked to be together for this pivotal moment, asking each other, would there be justice for Mike Brown? Had the protests in Ferguson and across the country since August made a difference or fallen on deaf ears? Someone that night tweeted, Ferguson is no longer a city. It's the center of the world. We waited. And when the decision came down that there was no indictment, There wouldn't even be a trial for the armed police officer who had killed an 18-year-old and left him for dead in the street. A cry went up from the crowd. We started marching, and before long, on a signal, we took the highway. We chanted Black Lives Matter at the top of our lungs, and we marched for miles along the otherwise silent, frozen lanes. By early that morning, the coverage had torn us to shreds. We were portrayed as rash, hysterical, thoughtless, taking out our frustrations inappropriately on innocent motorists who were just looking to get home. The media said, much as they say of protesters who have continued to shut down highways as a means to call attention to their cause, that the ends do not justify and are not aligned with the means. We were inappropriately at level 10. What all that coverage missed is that levels one through nine had already happened. They had happened a lot and people had just not paid attention. At the time I worked for a supportive housing provider and everyone that I worked with was someone who had been homeless at some point in their lives. They all had either a mental or physical disability. And our job was to try and have these conversations with the city about the ways that the city was sinning against those people, almost all of them black, all of them poor. That year alone, the city had shut down 100 public schools, 90 of them in poor black or Latino neighborhoods. They had closed the six remaining public mental health clinics in the city and there was no provider of public mental health services in Chicago anymore other than the Cook County Jail. Public transit, half of the stations in the city were inaccessible to people who used wheelchairs or walkers. And we had started all of our campaigns with great reasonability. We had been at endless meetings. We had gone to build community with the police and with the condo owners on our blocks who didn't believe that affordable housing should be in their neighborhood. Every week we served hundreds of meals at a giant block party that we put on for free to get to know our neighbors. And still, police would show up to it and tell my black tenants that they were loitering and tell them to go home and question them about what right they had to be in a public space. Until myself or one of the other white case managers who did not live in that neighborhood showed up and explained what we were doing, at which point we would be invited with warm welcome to continue. Relentlessly, when someone had sinned against these people, they went and met with them individually if they could get a meeting, if a city council member would allow them into their offices to speak rationally. When that didn't work, then they met in groups, then they brought the issues before their communities. We never took to the streets before a meeting. Turns out protests are a lot of work. (laughs) If we could have gotten what we wanted, through compassion and sharing people's stories, those things would have been done. The wrongs that make it to public view are wrongs people have had opportunities to amend, often for years, sometimes for decades. And I cannot count how many times we were turned down while people were losing their medication, their counselors, families, homes, while people I worked with were dying, actually dying for lack of access to care. All of that happened before we inconvenienced commuters that night in November in Chicago, before we decided we had to enlist a broader public in coming to plead with sinners with us. The gospel today frames us as the person sinned against. If someone sins against you, Jesus says, I have plenty of practice thinking about when others have sinned against me. What about where I have sinned against someone else? What about my own racism, my own defensiveness? How do I hear complaint? What if rather than inconvenience or aggression, I understood calls to undo racism, my own, and our societies, as a loving effort to regain me? to call me back into community. It is more comfortable to focus on the delivery than the message how someone tells us rather than what they tell us. When people fighting for their lives use tactics that feel like an unprovoked level 10, can we hear our own role in that escalation? Can we remember the opportunities we have had to hear and to change and the obstinacy with which we have clung to power and control and our way of doing things and meritocracy and privilege? When people challenge us to dismantle white supremacy, when someone calls us out in public, when we feel we are unfairly called to task for a fault we don't believe we own, What if we heard that not as challenge, but as love? What if we heard shutting down the Bay Bridge as radical Christian hospitality, enlisting us in the project of our own salvation? Because that tactic is intended to regain us. They want us back, they are doing that hard thing Jesus asks us to do for those who sin against us, to point out the fault until we hear, regain that one, even at great effort and cost. Activists do this for us in the spirit of Christ's own exhortation, to point out where we, people with tremendous power and privilege, whether we asked for it or not, people who do not have to listen and who resist hearing to teach us where we sin and participate in and benefit from the sin of systemic racism. Not for the purpose of pointing out the fault, for the purpose that we may be regained and be one of two asking in God's name for a reconciled world. What can white people do to end white supremacy? We can end it, if we ask. It is after all of our own making and studied maintenance and we can end it not for charity's sake, but because Jesus teaches that there is an end point. If the whole community points out the ways a sinner has harmed it and the sinner does not listen, she is cast out, lest we consign ourselves to isolation. Let us heed this call to listen and be regained. Let us hear each call as love, as opportunity and grace, and as others fighting to be in relationship with us. As a deep and powerful invitation of love to be reconciled to ourselves, to one another, and to God's created world. Amen.